It's funny as Asher talks like our robot voice that we affect. That's how he talks. Food, good, need sleep. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yesterday he, um, he likes to wash his hands, but he doesn't know the distinction between toilet water and sink water, so he, uh, Fair. trundled over and reached into the toilet water, um, and I grabbed his hand out and he looked at me and he did the wash symbol and he was like, Ashy, wash, mano, ashy, wash, mano. <laughs> Ashy, wash mono. No, no ashbot. No, wash mono. Wash mono. No, Ashy, need wash mono. No, ashbot. No, ashbot. Sink. Use sink. Ashbot too small for sink. Bowl within reach for mono. Ashbot. No. The AI has become self-aware. It's 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 just drinking all the toilet water of the world. <laughs> He understands our hypocrisies. He understands all the inconsistencies in our logic. He's right. It's just water in a bowl. Why shouldn't he use it? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Are you on your mic? You're on your mic? You're, because you're sending a little... Oh, my mic is down. There uh, we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's much better. Wait, are we starting the show? Yeah, like, yeah. what are we We're doing? On the show. The show's up. The show's running. Okay, the, the show's already started. We're on syncing up. It's Matt. It's Matt and Ethan. Last show, the th- <laughs> last show, the theme was a lack of meaning or a loss of meaning in the society. This show, upcoming as we talk about tech and other things in media, it seems it's going to be all about fraud, Matt. It's the and fraud not the kind show. of fraud, not the kind of fraud that makes you feel betrayed. That makes you feel, oh, I had no idea. No, oh my no, God, I'm so scared. No, it's just we all know it's a fraud. You know, we all know. We all know at some fraud. level it's a fraud. You're a fraud. All I'm a fraud, fraud, man. We're all frauds. It's all a fraud, bro. Fraud. It's all a lie. Bunch of fraudulent fucking people. Each There's and this every great clip, Matt. There's this great clip um, because you don't follow sports other than UFC, which you follow intensely. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you watch um, some of that stream last night there, Ethan? Yeah, you you know I did. What are you doing? You saw you left a little comment. You mentioned it. I watched your stream. I enjoyed it. A great time. Thanks. But um, did some live commentary great... on a UFC fight last night. <laughs> Matt, he did that. He wore a suit. Wore a suit. He wore a suit. <laughs> yeah, um, it, was, it was it was very impressive. But you were saying there's a clip, fraud clip. There's this famous radio rant, uh, Canadian radio host, and he's doing this passionate explanation of why Lionel Messi is overrated. And the, the the rant, it crescendos, it's fantastic. And because uh, it's one of those radio shows that, that you also see it, like Howard Stern back in the day, uh, there's the picture of Lionel Messi above him. And at the end of the rant, I think he might, maybe he taps the table and he points at the picture and he goes, fraud. And it's just wonderful. <laughs> fraud. Well, that's our episode. We're tapping on the picture that is the global economy, that is America, that is tech, that is government. And we're saying fraud. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so let's talk about this article. I just thought this article was nuts. I, I couldn't believe it didn't have bigger pickup because it's fucking crazy. So the article is called Dirty Money Piling Up in L.A. as Coronavirus Cripples International Money Laundering. So this is, I mean, so one thing totally, which is like somewhat obvious, I suppose. I mean, I hadn't thought about it because I don't think about money laundering every day. But, you know, a lot of like traditional money laundering, the like Walter White buying, uh, you know, a laser tag place or whatever, traditional money laundering that you think about happens where you, you know, uh, an illegal operation buys some sort of cash business so that they can claim that they're making a lot of money through cash transactions that are not monitored. And that cash is just like a way of taking money that was, you know, brought up on the streets from selling drugs and putting it in bank accounts. Uh, so that's traditional money laundering. Uh, and obviously right now, tons and tons of non-essential cash businesses are closed. So you would assume, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense that there's not as much money laundering going around. There's a, there's a crisis in money laundering. But that wasn't the big thing. And th this is something I just did not know about, which I can't believe because it's, it's massive. But there's this whole ring uh, of international trade-based money laundering. And, and I'm, I'm going to detail the scheme right now, which is that it's a, basically that if you are a resident of China, if you're a Chinese citizen – and you want to put your money in American dollars, it's very difficult to do that because I think I think there's like a limit of like $50,000 a year or something that you're allowed to, to, to put in American dollars above board. So you need to do this in some sort of illegal money laundering way. So if you are a very wealthy Chinese person and you want to get your money into dollars, which also protects it from the Chinese government or whatever the fuck, what you do is this. You give that money to a factory in China that creates precursors, pre precursor chemicals to for meth and fentanyl. So you give money to that factory, they produce large quantities of the precursor chemicals to make meth and fentanyl, then they ship that. So you're buying those chemicals, which are then shipped to Mexico, where they're you know rendered into uh, fentanyl and meth, and then they're taken across the border, sold, uh, you know, whatever, like how drug dealers sell it, and then that cash is then put into a bank account for you. This is all through an intermediary. So essentially, I, I did not know this, that the, like the fentanyl and the meth crisis in America, a, lot, a large part of it is being funded by Chinese millionaires and billionaires who are trying to stash money, launder money into the US. So this money, get the, the drugs get bought on the street, that cash or a percentage of it then goes into a bank account that's put in your name. And then the kicker to all this that was so crazy to me is that the reason, the big reason why this, this trade is down is, yeah, it's harder to get these things across the border right now because the, the border is a little more precarious right now with the big biggest thing is that those factories that are making the precursors are all in Wuhan. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a crazy coincidence. It's insane. That's um, it was, It's a city that we basically have never discussed as a Ever. culture. And it actually has yeah. been, it's not, it, it's the source of the two biggest epidemics in this country. For now, now the fucking pandemic, but before that, the, the fucking fentanyl pandemic. This is crazy to me. So what do you take from this as far as what needs to be done um, does it adjust? To me, the takeaway is that I need to get money in the hands of Wuhan factories right now. <laughs> this is fucking money on the barrel right now. This is crazy. All you got, all you got to do is buy <laughs> chemicals and you can make bank. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. I mean, I can give you an explanation, a meta media explanation for why this article didn't get bigger pickup despite being rather staggering. And, uh, we should name the, the LA times reporter who did it. Is that a good um, idea or a bad idea? Is that scary for them? I or think, they like that? 
I don't, I don't, I don't think it's scary. Matthew or- I have a Ormseth. friend, Matthew Ormseth. Love to hang out with you, Matthew Yo, Ormseth. Matt, I'm another Matt. Let's chill, dude. Let's talk about this shit. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe my friend Sonia, crime reporter at the LA Times, maybe she knows oh, it. Yeah, maybe probably. she can link us oh, that'd up. Be cool. Sync us up. Oh even, shit! Should we perhaps? have a guest on the show? Should we try to have this guy on the show? That'd be fucking nuts. I'd love to know more I'd... about this. I tried to look up more about this, and maybe I was just searching for the wrong stuff. But there was not much on it. But it seems like this is what, you know, tons of police departments with lots of like, this is what investigative units and shit. This is what they know about. And this is what's going on. This is just odd. This is crazy. Well, you know, we can we can try. We can look into it. We can look into it. And if we don't have him on in the future, you can only assume that I asked my friend about him and heard (laughs) that he was just an awful guy and uh, or too snooty to do this. He turned us down. It was embarrassing. Please don't bring it up. Please don't bring it up. If we don't have money, it's just going to be embarrassing for us. The the reason it didn't get bigger pickup to me is rather obvious, or at least I have a theory, um, which is that currently in the social media era, um, the media apparatus cannot handle anything counter narrative. I'm not, you know, they, they make what that counter narrative about this story. I think anything that puts our associations with those two countries in a negative light helps Trump. And I think a lot of people in media, because Trump is so awful in so many ways, they don't want him in power. And, you know, quite understandably he's 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 quite incompetent and he's he's a very amoral um he's not a good person and in many ways he's sui generis in that respect as as a norm breaker and as as a lout and so i think without anybody getting together and orchestrating a conspiracy about it um just the nature of social media and how it operates creates conditions where favored narratives are promoted and disfavored narratives are suppressed. And the news to many people is an act of revelation when in reality, in so many ways, it's an act of curation. Hundreds of thousands of things are happening every day, if not millions. Whatever you're choosing to foreground is your preferred narrative, and that it, that comprises what the news is. That's what it really is. It's not actually what the most pertinent thing impacting the country is. It's the story you want to tell about the country. And in the case of Trump, um, he's been critical of both those countries. In the run-up to the election, uh, there were, you know, this was a massive story that I think was quite underplayed. The How fentanyl was coming into the United States was something that did not, they, they did not want to discuss it at the LA Times, perhaps. Perhaps the LA Times is different, but Sam Quinones did a great job. Yeah, I don't know. Like, but, it, like, it. So, but it seems like you're blaming journalists for this not gutting out. But the fact is, editor, they put this in their newspaper. Really, it sounds like you're blaming people on Twitter for not making this go viral. That's a great point. I think it's the overall intelligentsia of Twitter and its other journalists where this does appear in a publication. The LA Times does some great crime reporting, by the way. The LA yeah, Times. Yeah, but like who are you blaming? Like you're reporting. on one hand saying like the media is doing a good job, but then you're saying the media is doing the media is doing a good job at making a newspaper, but a bad job at like promoting it through social media. Like to me, this is this doesn't speak to biases or prejudices or ideologies so much as it speaks to like the glaring holes and in the information we get when we rely on social media to be the thing, to be the editor of these newspapers. Mm. That's the problem, and I don't think it's because of some vast woke conspiracy. I, 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 think, I think you're. It's because but, these fucking but wait a second, I never. But wait a second. Wait a second. Right, wait go, a second. Go, 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 I never said it was a conspiracy. Right, right. I said, said it was, was social tendency. Social tendency. I said it was social tendency. 
I said it was social tendency. Social tendency. I said the social tendency is to feed your customer base what it wants or what you think it needs okay. to give your particular instruction on what's going on. And so I commend the LA Times for doing these stories because they are quite pertinent to what's going on. I don't even know what conclusion to draw from these stories as far as the negative consequences of some of our associations with other countries vis-a-vis -vis the free movement of people and goods. You know, these are complicated questions. What to do about immigration? Complicated question. What to do about drugs and who to punish and for how many years? Complicated. I, I, I don't know the answers uh, to this stuff, but it, it, it seems as though there has been a social tendency to try to downplay some of the adverse consequences. So we don't even interface with these questions. And especially, especially when you had Donald Trump coming along in 2015, 2016, talking up the dangers of drugs from Mexico and talking up Mexico and making China more of a boogeyman. I think there was a tendency resulting of Trump to try to downplay this stuff combined with just certain ideological biases. And that's why this stuff gets underplayed. It's crazy to me, crazy, crazy, crazy that you have the 2016 election happen. Trump does so well, especially in the counties that saw massive opiate addiction spikes. I mean, there's a huge correlation. That story has been done to death. Even though Sam Quinones wrote a best-selling book, a best-selling book detailing exactly how cartels came into these Midwestern towns, pumped them full of heroin, how the people in towns are totally aware of it, totally resentful, that story, pretty suppressed. Pretty suppressed. And when I tell friends about it, friends in educated America about it, they don't know about it. They never heard about it. Even if it was in a best-selling book, they don't, they don't grasp it because they want one story. One story. These people are racist, knuckle-draggers. We hate them. They're the out-group. Fuck them. We need to lecture them some more. I, I, we, I don't know. We, I the the idea more... that they might have the idea that they might have some kind of issue, the some kind of issue with illegal immigration that is actually plausible, and we need to even have a conversation with these people. That is a highly stigmatized take. You don't see that take, Matt. If you see that take anywhere, that in my opinion, reasonable. If not reasonable, I would say crucial. Well, I, crucial. I mean, I opinion like who's all right who's so now saying we're saying like gestalt, saying where we're is saying like the gestalt sense of what story are you getting about fentanyl because to me the story that i was getting about fentanyl was that this was all this had a lot to do with drug companies had a lot to do with doctors had a lot to do with like corrupt drug industry over prescribing opioids getting people hooked on it and driving them to the streets where the demand was very high for these illegal drugs that were being so, so this goes back to how news is an act of curation versus revelation. That's certainly part of the story. Like American drug companies are certainly yeah, like, part of the saw, story. You saw that, that lawsuit against that, that drug company, like where they have that music video with the rapping fentanyl. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? This is absolutely no, insane. Know. There was this drug company. I don't know about that, the, the And like they, a bunch of these guys were thrown in jail, but like the head of sales. like So these guys were just having big sales conventions with all their salespeople and rallying them up to sell, to like sell like as much to doctors of this nose spray uh, fentanyl. 
uh, or opioid. I think it was a fentanyl derivative. Uh, and part of this like sales thing was they had a, a video, like kind of a pump up video. And it was in like 2014. So you can really feel it where the head of sales is it dressed up in a giant head to toe mascot costume as one of these like nose spray applicators of the opioid. And he's rapping like gangster rap. The mm. whole thing is like this like internet style rap video about how they're got to be pushing out this drug. It's fucking what, what, what style are we talking? We're talking like Lonely Island. Yeah, like Lonely like, what, Island, but it was the of... kind of thing where this is like the head of sale, the video, he was like actually like rapping really fast and you were like, whoa. And then at the end, he took off the costume and revealed he was like everyone's boss all along. It was like, who's the mystery rapper? And it was like the head of sales for <laughs> this company. And he was just like the biggest, <laughs> douchiest bro. And all, they showed this in like a courtroom. All these people got put in prison for doing this. It's unbelievable. Please look this up. <laughs> Well, I, I will immediately do that after this is over. And that is certainly a huge part of this story. The opiate outbreak in the United States was just this insane tidal wave of death. And you need multiple factors in order for the situation to get that bad. And that's certainly one of them. But I would say that's the one that we're comfortable talking about in prestige media. That's the one that we're completely cool discussing as the particular issue of these pharmaceutical companies and doctors getting people hooked on the stuff and priming them. We're less cool with getting into eh, the precursors are made in China. Well, now they are before not so much, but the precursors made in China and um, people coming across the border are pumping it into towns in the United States. And that's why this happened as well. That's a conversation that doesn't seem to be favored that is a disfavored narrative that is counter narrative so suppressed more by omission you know i think if you talked about it a lot you wouldn't necessarily get fired or anything like that but people would wonder what you're getting at people would wonder why you're talking about it Do you have an issue with these countries that sort of thing so people just don't they don't bring it up they don't talk about it it's not it's not the thing that they want to be selling, so mm. it's not the thing they're selling. That's what I. That's what I would argue. I get. I mean, again, I don't know who it is. If you like, if you know, if you know that a lot of Trump shtick, like you're an anti-Trump person, being an anti-Trump person is part of your identity. It's what all your friends believe, and especially your colleagues. And you know that Trump's got issues. He's got issues with uh, with with China, and he's got issues with Mexico. Um, and there are issues of the free movement of goods and people. Is the narrative you really want to be getting out there the one we're talking well, about? Well, I don't know because this, this is article. Bernie Sanders would have the same take on this kind of thing, right? I mean. Bernie Sanders dropped that take. Bernie Sanders stopped having that take in 2015. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think he had. I mean, for one, for one, Democrats and the left has been extremely hard on China and the Chinese government. And a lot of the flack that uh, Warren, I, you know, in the aftermath of the NBA situation with China, I, Warren, you know, was pretty good on it. Um, Warren was good. You know, the Democrats seem to the Democrats seem to in that instance, you know, in a weird way, Matt, what's funny about it is that our politicians seem less enthralled to China, though some are, uh, than our media companies. I mean, that's that's yeah. An so interesting talk about that. We talked about this. I think that so the, this is part of this. Me, the media consolidation means there's fewer and fewer media companies, and a lot of those companies have big big dealings, business dealings with China, a massive market. Yeah. This is you know movies being censored. This is 
basketball teams being <laughs> fucking being told how to yeah. run their operations, shit like that. I mean, we are getting our tendrils intertwined with this fundamentally corrupt government that is the Chinese government, and you know, whatever our government's up to. And it's a new, it's almost a new problem because we've never, we've never had a superpower of this size and of this economic might, but also with this totalitarian top-down uh, ability to dictate, to dictate, to say, no, I'm going to ban this movie in the in, in this entire country, or no, your company can no longer do business, and it just comes straight from the top, and it's done like that, and it creates quite the chilling effect, and people don't know, it's not talked about. It's, it's not like, it's not like on MSNBC, for instance, because NBC is owned by Comcast, which has a, a major theme park in China, um, billions of dollars of, poten of potential revenue. It's not like they ever warn you that their takes are compromised because mm. of that on some international story. That that doesn't happen. Chris Hayes does not look at the camera and ever tell you. So there's a bit of an issue here. And Chris Hayes actually seems like a pretty good, pretty honest broker uh, as far as cable news hosts go. So maybe I shouldn't be referencing Chris Hayes. But nobody on MSNBC you know, looks at the camera and tells you or warns you like with a prescription drug where they tell you about the side effects, mm -hmm. um, the way in which they're compromised. Yeah. yeah. Comcast completely corrupted and compromised. That probably has something to do with why you don't hear a lot of criticism of China on MSNBC, but you heard a lot about Russia um, and Russia collusion. Uh, they're cool. They'll, they'll talk Russia all day, China, not so much. And you can go on down the line. There are a lot of major media conglomerates uh, who, they have a lot of exposure, a lot of exposure. Um, Disney, obviously, Disney ESPN, that was obvious in my industry when that happened. Obvious that there couldn't really be a lot of criticism of China, even though Xi Jinping was acting completely insane, completely mm. insane over that situation where Daryl Morey, a general manager of the Houston Rockets, tweets out, uh, free, you know, free Hong Kong meme, and then the NBA can't be in China anymore, and it's just like that, and the NBA has to just own the, uh, they have to own the adverse consequence of just one employee of theirs doing that, and that's something that couldn't even really be criticized on ESPN, because you know, beyond the NBA having business and worry about smoothing things over in China, we all know, you know, we all know that Disney wants to have movies yeah. in China well, as a theme park in China. And so they can't talk about it. It's completely corrupt and it's new. So I don't blame people for either just not knowing how to well, deal sure, with like, it. I'm sure it, if you talk to talk everybody at a lot of these companies, they're like pulling their hair out because this was all seen as like, oh my God, there's a whole new market of people who are not only like a burgeoning consumer culture. There's a billion of them and they love the NBA. They yeah. love our movies. They love our culture. Like it's just, you just see money here, but also, you know, we want to spread our, you know, we want this whole idea of like cultures intermingling. Nobody loves fucking Sichuan Chinese food more than the two of us, right? Like we, we benefit from the intermingling of our culture and Chinese culture as much as anybody for our preferences. But then the trap closed shut on us as China started this, you know, basically <laughs> campaign, the Chinese finger trap cl started closing shop, oh. like shut where like now they had us intertwined and suddenly they're, you know, more pernicious and negative, you know, influence within their sphere of Hong Kong or, you know, the Uyghurs, like they are trying to still launch these, you know, anti-human rights campaigns and they, they have this thing, their whole, 
their entire strategy is, is to hit back twice as hard, right? Is where it's just yeah. become this like squeaky wheel or become the thing where like, we're going to complain the most. So you have to be at our level. Otherwise you can't deal with us. There's no brokering, yeah. which is a very, you know, it makes sense, I guess, game theory wise to take that position. But yeah, it seemed like all these industries were just not prepared for this. Not prepared or didn't care. And I think in the discourse about it, we didn't even know how to deal with right. it because it was new. And then when China starts ramping up the criticisms and saying that you're uh, xenophobic, if you if you make these critiques, um, that really hit at some of the vulnerabilities in the right. discourse and nobody wants to be seen that way. So, and, you know, in a way I could get it when it came to the debate over what to call the virus. Um, and, you know, China, Chinese virus became this idea of, if you said Chinese virus, you are doing a social signaling that you are not mm -hmm. a liberal, you know, that's, that's something that's happening. So you're on, on the out group and I understand it in a way because Chinese is a, is an ethnicity, you know, it'd almost be like if we called a virus the Jew right, virus. Right, right. Which um, is, you know, of course, of course, <laughs> Jews are the virus, so it'd be redundant. We are the virus, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what can we, yeah. Uh, so, so, so I get that, um, but I feel like China virus China would have been fine, and Wuhan <laughs> virus. Flu, well, Chinese you know, like it's flu. just a country, you know, just or 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 a Xi Jinping disease or whatever. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but or when when the idea was as propagated by the Chinese government that calling it the Wuhan virus is somehow bad, and I heard a commentator, a commentator I respect quite a bit, very smart, very talented, um, saying or, or or lecturing people about it on a radio show not to call it this, and I thought to myself, that's a defensible opinion. Um, I I I observe this is a defensible opinion, and you're trying to do the right thing. But can I hear you criticize China? You know, can I hear you, you know, mm. say something like Uyghur just right. once? Could I hear you? You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that, though. You know, you're not. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I got, I rolled my eyes most when, um, and I'm paraphrasing, the idea was, you know, this idea that we can't do two things at once and we can't, you know, criticize uh, the Chinese government um, without using this term is ridiculous. And I thought to myself, but you're not actually going to make that critique. And so I don't want to hear you lecture people over this before mm -hmm. you do that. Um, and I look, like I said, I have sympathy. It's a new problem. If I was at ESPN, if I was still at ESPN, it's not like I would be, uh, on the forefront of ripping right. China. So I'm not trying to act as though, yeah, I'm not trying to act as though I'm on Mount Pius making my decrees. I am merely observing that there are reasons uh, for why this conversation is suppressed. I got a front row seat to it, watching what happened with the NBA in China. And the up to Sinclair quote that it is difficult for a man to understand something when his salary is dependent on his not understanding it is quite pertinent when it comes to the narrative setting functions mm -hmm. Of so you want media. something like, you know, just like, okay, uh, Uyghur, Wuhan virus, you know, uh, we, sorry, like, you want something like Uyghur, <laughs> uh, free Hong Kong, uh, revolution in our times, but also please don't call it the Chinese virus. There's a lot of people, well, but I'll, you know, there's a lot of Chinese yeah. Americans who are going to be impacted by that. People are throwing shit at them in the supermarkets. We don't know. Or, or how that. about let's make it, you know, how about we make it about Xi Jinping? You know, we act, we do this weird thing and in a way it is kind of racist you know, we we regard the Chinese people almost as a Borg. Mm. Um, I'm saying we, the royal we in the American discourse, China, China, China. They've got their own fucking Donald Trump 
guy out there who's completely off his rocker and has gone way further um, and is more imperious and impetuous than almost anybody on earth. And instead of regarding him as a crazy, tyrannical individual, we just regard everybody in China as holding the same opinion right, right. and being part, like being robots. Right. Like as if we are all and like I find Trump that to or be something stupid. like that. If you, you could do the same to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, there are so like, like, what you hear is that the Chinese government is built is there's tons of factions within that. You know, some people in the Chinese government yeah. are like massive proponents of renewable energy, massive proponents of like freeing Hong Kong. Even Like there's divisions even within them, but they have to navigate this this world. I mean, you know, the, the stories of like the doctors who were trying to call this out early on, the stories about what's going on in Hong Kong, there are heroes like abound in that country. And it's, it's, I think actually it's very depressing that we don't get to hear a lot of those stories. And when you do, they're that much more impressive and incredible because of the government that they have to deal with and the yeah. machinations that they have to go through in order to do the right thing. So, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. It's just a very impoverished conversation. And it, it's not I think at the root of it. Yeah, the root of it is the social incentives, as we always dwell on, of social media uh, contribute to the lack of sure. nuance. Well, and so what I would say binary. going – and I, I want to move on to a slightly adjacent topic in a second. But just to close the loop on this, what I would say is most interesting to me is – and this is an oversimplification, but drawing that the, the, the fact that a huge source of the fentanyl and meth uh, crisis, and notwithstanding the crazy coincidence that it's coming out of Wuhan, but it's based on the fact it's coming from the the simple fact that in China you're not allowed to move more than fifty thousand dollars worth of yuan into American dollars. That because of that, life is finding a way, and the way of doing that is mm. by pumping drugs into our country. Like so, to me, it's still a failing of the Chinese government fully that it's their policies that are not. I mean, I guess that's globalist that because you're not we're not letting the Chinese money flow around the the world. Well. It, I guess it would be you would view it differently if you're a conflict theorist versus a mistake theorist, as the Scott Alexander dichotomy goes, where you either view the, the major develops, developments in the world as happenstance and an unpredictable, it's a complicated, chaotic world. Certain things happen. Nobody intended for it to happen, but it just went that way versus that's that's mistake theory, mistake theory versus conflict theory, where there are people on top of a mountain, drinking the goblets of blood, like in The mm. Simpsons, the Republican Party meetings, and they are divining these plans and how they occur. And if you were a conflict theorist in this instance, you would go, maybe this is part of China's plan to weaken the United mm. States because it helps pump fat. There's a reason they're looking the, the United way. States. Yeah. I think you and I, though, are more on this one of the mistake theory. Yeah, I then. think it's just funnier. I you, think it's. You, a- <laughs> I think you're you're. Your mistake theory on everything but big tech. Then you become a major. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's all their fault. Well, but it's mistake. But that's like guilt (laughs) by omission. You know what I mean? It's like you could just look around and see what's going on. Which I guess is the case with this too. But with tech, it's so much more obvious because the products that these guys are creating is so fucking stupid that they could just look at them and see what's going on. All right, hold on. But before we is that is that is that a segue? It's somewhat of a segue segue to the Facebook super panel. It's a good segue to the Facebook super panel. Um, ah, fuck. But no. But first, I've got to ask you. I do want to okay. hear a little bit about what you think is going going to go down with the NBA in China. If you have any thoughts, where oh, is going to go? I've got no intel. I've got no intel, but it would be very logical and it would be a fascinating situation if because China, you know, China's taking a hit, its reputation's taking a hit, 
Xi Jinping has taken a hit. There is quite a sensitivity to losing face and to international reputation. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Chinese government comes back to the NBA and says, come back. We're going to air your games again. We're going to pay you the hundreds of millions of dollars every year. And the NBA right now, because sports has been canceled for God knows how long. Like addicts. They are desperate. They are like addicts. They need the money, which then puts the NBA in a tough situation because for a long time, people kind of looked the other way on the NBA's association with China. Uh, It was a little bit out of sight and out of mind, but it's different. It's different when you go from, and it was a bad look that China's making life hard for Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey into China got your grandmother Mm. killed, or maybe you see Mm. it that way. And the NBA might at a certain point go, we need the money and it could blow up in their face in a way that is almost unprecedented because this is just a situation that they've never had to manage. And it's quite unpredictable as to where the outrage will come from. But I'm not sure everybody is going to treat their associate their association with China uh, the same way that they were treating it. Before it is really again not I a coincidence. Know. Very funny that the virus spread the furthest and the most within the NBA among all sports at the time. Yeah. And sure, there's timing well, involved I, I and wrote, shit like that. But <laughs> I mean, I wrote an I wrote an article about why that kind of thing can happen. Um, I mean, the NBA players, sure, sure, of course, of course, and they were the sport that was going on at the time, and they're close enough. But still, it's very funny that they're the ones. But then yeah. you know, you're saying, are they willing to come crawling back to what is essentially like a toxic relationship with China, made it even more toxic? They give all indications of being willing. They give all indications of being willing. They give all indications when Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, talks about China. It's where they're they're just kind of waiting. They're just kind of waiting out in the rain with the stereo above (laughs) their head like John Cusack waiting for China to come back. And China has all the leverage in the situation. And yeah, I don't know how people are going to take that kind of thing. Personally, I won't be too pleased. I'll certainly criticize mm-hmm. them. I, I I don't think it's until right. until until the athletic takes a large chunk of investment from China. <laughs> well, at that point, at that point, anybody who would say that is a racist. <laughs> <laughs> and I condemn them out of at hand. that point. <laughs> I cancel them and I condemn point. them. How dare you say any of the things that I've been saying? What you? What Chinese people aren't allowed to enjoy Come the on, NBA? That's is that what they you're saying? They love games just as much as we do. All right, let's do it. Let's move on to some fucking some other human rights people. So let's move on to Facebook here because th- this was a very interesting story uh, this week. I thought too. There's a couple of stories in tech that I really want to talk about. This so Facebook announced their oversight board. Uh, and the Facebook Oversight mm-hmm. Board is this thing that they've been touting that they're going to pull together for years, ever since the Cambridge Analytica stuff. And then they started getting flack for, like, you know, taking down posts and the, are they the arbiters of, of free speech? Are they not? Republic? I don't want to, like, catch up the whole story because everybody probably knows some degree of it that from the right and from the left, everybody's been criticizing Facebook because they are essentially a media company that takes no responsibility for being a media company. And a big part of this is people's posts getting pulled down from Facebook and Instagram, Facebook claiming not wanting to have any responsibility for doing this. One reason, one way that they've done that is they hire contractors who work in like warehouse 
houses in third world countries and here in Florida and Texas. They have contractors who spend all day just looking at reported material on Facebook. By all accounts, it, de- it gives them PTSD. It degrades them you know, mentally. There's all these stories. Casey Newton uh, uh, has of The Verge has done a bunch of great stories we, on we, this. We get Facebook, we, Facebook bad. We don't great, need to get in the whole thing. Thank we need to focus, focus, up, focus, focus in on the, advi- the advisory thank board. You, thank the advisory you. So board. The, but what they've done is they've convened what, they, what Zuckerberg kind of calls like the Supreme Court of Facebook, a board, an oversight board that will determine, that will take certain cases of uh, you know various memes or videos or whatever people are posting that have been taken down and that have been appealed. Then this board of people, of overlords, will decide once and for all if that Facebook post should be kept up or not. So I, I, this whole topic of this oversight board, this whole time, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I hear face, Facebook and people <laughs> talk about this because the whole thing seems absolutely insane to me, every single bit of it. And so now it's like a joke that just keeps getting compounded on. So they've appointed to this board, you know, like human rights lawyers, former judges, I think like the former like prime minister of Denmark. Prime minister of the, yeah. I think of Denmark. The Netherlands of or Denmark. Was it Denmark? Like, 20 people who are like extremely prestigious it, people. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess, <laughs> but have no connection to one another. It really is like a superhero movie where they're trying to get the crew together and they're all a little bit different and they look different and they've got different right, skills, sure, but it would be, up, a, which, which by the way is not how real life no, fucking also, works. I mean, it's completely, it's completely fundamentally. I don't people, think a single one of these people has ever made content on Facebook. Like not, it would be like if you're pulling together a superhero squad, but not a single one of those people has ever seen a crime before, even knows what a crime is. It, it's like not only these are these people like comically overqualified for this board where they're just going to be sent memes and told, is this, a, is this is it okay to keep this meme up or not? But not only that, these are people who have no frame of reference for what should and shouldn't be on social media at all. Well, and, and also – there are so many posts on Facebook that it's obvious it's that the scale millions. is completely out of whack. They could not, they're not, you know, it's transparently, it's transparently an effort to voice the accountability onto an independent body because Zuckerberg doesn't ultimately give much of a fuck about why would he, he just wants this Facebook. headache to be gone and just like he wanted it to yeah, be gone in the first want- place by sloughing it off to contractors in warehouses being paid yeah. minimum wage to get ptsd looking at all these videos that are being reported this is his like prestige version of that this is the like hbo to that like nbc or whatever he's getting ripped pretty hard by the way you know he's getting ripped pretty hard by some prestige media voices um, by the Karis Yeah, good, but I... I guess there's only one Karis Twitter, but... Yeah, they, they're getting, and, and not only is he getting ripped hard for it, it's not even the moral take. People are starting to talk about this ship's going down. Like they, the I, whole I don't thing know. makes I can't no sense. The the, all of phase that having a centrally planned internet where one guy decides how web pages should look, it's like, it's so stupid. We're going to look back on this in 10 years and we're going to like laugh that we thought that this was an okay internet to have. Like, yeah, we laugh at like the internet mm-hmm. of 20 years ago too, but in like this adorable Space Jam website kind of way, but it was the best we could do. This is just like frustrating. I, I, so the, 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 the thing that I don't, I just don't understand how anyone with a straight face can take this thing seriously. As you pointed out, it's it's a. I don't see many people taking it seriously. Is what there I are a lot of takes I'm seeing. There's a lot of takes that I see where it's like I'm glad they're trying something. This is an issue, and I'm glad. Oh, I hope they succeed. 
But the whole oh, thing geez. is this well, farce. I, it's like, just the, delaying. There was an op it's delaying and obfuscating them taking any responsibility for what's going to happen in this election. There was an op-ed in the New York Times where people on the advisory board wrote a collective editorial about what they were doing, this idea that they are, I don't know, the UN blue hats of content. Um, And I don't see a lot of people resonating to this. I don't see a lot of people saying this is what's going to work. It just looks stupid. It looks fake. Um, I don't think anybody expects anything to change much at all. It's almost too transparent a fraud. It's too transparent a fraud. Um, and ultimately it's silly. I kind of wonder because we don't know how much did Zuckerberg pay these people? How much? Did well, there's like a, it's, it's a, it's just a, there's a trust of like $150 million. Also, these people are going to be doing like 30 hours of work. It's just like some, I just, the whole thing is crazy. All right, hold on. I have a, so I have a, I have some predictions that I that I that I that I have about what's going to happen to this board that I just want to get on the record so that when they all happen that uh, I can I can claim that I was there for, <laughs> first I think it's going to come too late in the election cycle which I think is happening there's no way that they're going to make any significant I would be surprised if they make any significant rulings that mean anything and obviously the biggest thing in the room is a Facebook video is posted for a day. The cycle that it's in of virality is at max like two or three days. And we're having like this like panel of like prestigious lawyers and judges look at it weeks later to decide if it should go back up, at mm. which point it will no longer be able to go viral. It's insane <laughs> to me. This is the like most insane thing. Posts on social media, you're throwing it into a river. And now you're saying it's already downstream by the time it gets plucked out to someone say, should this have been, should this piece of garbage have been thrown in the river? And then by the time <laughs> they throw it back, it's our, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. The, the whole oh, it's hilarious. Is like a farce. It's just this insane farce. Okay. So they're, here they're, they're, um, they're or ombudsman. I've never known how to pronounce that um, in a situation of a complete ephemera. It, it's insane. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, what's and like an analogy for this where it's like, I don't even no, it's like having a, a detective unit that works for a year to solve a crime, but has no force to actually imprison anybody yeah, for but the not crime. Only that, but they weren't told about the crime until like a year after it happened. And by the time they yeah. got there, the like house that it was, it took place and has been replaced by a factory. Like there's no, it's like there's, <laughs> the, the time delay is insane. The whole thing is just this weird, like fucking Kafka-esque bizarre puzzle it's all a maze this is the thing it's all like a maze of zuckerberg's designing designing that we're trapped in all right my next prediction is that the, the this board will be beset almost immediately by resignations as people from various backgrounds realize who else is serving on the board so my guess mm. is that people from historically oppressed groups will quit over the number of people uh from historically oppressive ideologies that have been placed on the board uh, this one I'm not so sure about because they just took like a, a group of 20 people from such disparate backgrounds that I'm sure they don't even know in what ways they would disagree with each other at this point. They're all such mm. just like they went an echelon higher than I thought they would as far as like credentials, which I because I thought they would actually get people that were relevant to this. I thought they were going to get like diamond and silk level kinds of people who, people <laughs> who actually make content for these for, uh, you know, for these platforms. But instead, they went with this completely irrelevant, just like showcase of degrees and shit which is insane yeah which academics more, right and... it, it more speaks to the elitism of the institutions that these people that facebook draws upon that they think that these are relevant people to like the decision the decisions they're going to be making but instead it's just going to be so embarrassing when they show them like their first like meme 
about like, you know, I don't know, like uh, Tony Stark or whatever, making his like sassy face and saying something like vaguely fascist about like Switzerland or something. And they're like, is this free speech or not? It's going to be insane. All right. So that's my second prediction that there will be resignations. I just I just want to I I just think the, the concept is funny. Just watching somebody try to explain to who any of these people, I don't know whether it's the Dalai Lama second in command or whoever gets on this board, uh, the distracted boyfriend. Yeah, or, but, or even it's more like ridiculous. obscure, it's like, so yeah, okay, so the helicopter represents throwing people into, you know, dis- dissidents into the, into the ocean <laughs> or just like, okay, you have to under, here's who Pepe is. Yeah. Okay. This is Dat Boy. He's a he's a he's a different <laughs> frog who's on a unicycle. What you have to understand is Dat Boy. Now, when Dat Boy says the <laughs> N word, it's actually it's actually that's not what the problem is with. It's it's like it's fucking crazy what they're gonna have to do to explain to the former prime minister of Denmark. So when somebody is flouting your, when somebody is flouting your rules um, and doing what they want to do, they append. Their statement by saying "go burr," <laughs> so, right? Uh, like that a machine going burr. With, okay, I'm sorry. I have to start back because this is based on another. Because this is actually oh, this text is overlaid over another meme in order to. It's like it's going to be insane. So, all right. So that's my second prediction. Though is that they'll res- people will start resigning soon. We'll see. I don't know if they'll get far enough to even get to that point. Uh, it's going to be criticized for not including anyone who speaks X language in X country where this major election or ethnic cleansing is taking place because of things spreading on Facebook. I think this is happening right now that like they picked people from like a certain number of backgrounds, but not from enough. You know, I don't whatever there's I don't know if anybody on the board is from like Myanmar or whatever. Uh, it's going to be followed by a, like, we're listening and learning PR push. And then some testimonial from somebody who stayed on the board long enough to be shown <laughs> what horrible things that these people were being forced to watch. Like, I'm very curious what, who is in charge of deciding what videos and memes to show this board. And like, will I, like, I, that must be the most insane position. What like a crazy thing <laughs> of like, okay, this is an iguana being smacked. Dude, on the I would road. totally this, take one to this distinguished <laughs> civil rights professor or not. Like it's fucking crazy. I would I would totally take one of these oh, games. And just I would no love to be on this board just to see what a fucking crazy <laughs> farce it is. And then finally when they do make a controversial decision, they'll be thrown under the bus by Facebook. Uh, legal action will be threatened against them all. And ultimately it'll just become a figurehead group of pushovers who do nothing while the actual work is kicked back to some outside contractor company. Those are my predictions for this board. I, if honestly, if it even gets this far, I, I, it's just so, I don't understand. We're like watching the dumbest thing possible. It's like, uh, it's, it's like watching like a, like I had this experience once when I was a kid where I watched my cat, like, jump try to jump through a uh the shot like a, a glass shower pane like i i <laughs> like i went in the bathroom my cat was, was like inside the shower and it, he normally doesn't go and it's like a glass walled shower and the, the sink was above it and the cats and i was like trying to figure out what was happening but the cat was looking at the sink and meowing and like i too rate realized that the cat was going to try to jump on the sink Right. But he was going to hit the pane of glass. And I saw this happen. And I just like, I, <laughs> I just like, cause I was like, wait, are you trying to, and then the cat tried to jump on through the window and he couldn't, he just didn't understand what glass was. That's what I feel like is what I, is going on. I'm like watching this whole thing happen, but they don't understand so, why. So, wait a second. So, so, so wait, so Mark Zuckerberg, whatever you feel about him is probably one of the most 
intelligent people among celebrities. Um, do you think that he's being stupid or that this serves an actual purpose? I think he's simply, I think as with everything, he's so focused on what he wants to be happening that he can't see the overall consequences. He just, he simply can't think anything through. What he wants is for this important thing, free speech, to, to the decisions on that to go to somebody else. He thinks that that's the responsible thing to do. And he's right. Within his frame of reference, that's the right thing to do. He thinks that it's as above his pay grade. He should get experts to do it. What he's missing is that the, all of this is happening inside of a completely bullshit circle, that the whole frame of reference is fucked. The entire matrix that he's built around himself doesn't make any sense. And that there's no, it's, it, you can't make a system like this. There is no free speech on Facebook. There is no authentic behavior on Facebook because it's all being dictated by the rules that are put in place by him and his engineers. So there is no free speech for, to be ruled on. It's a joke. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are curators. They just simply are. And they refuse uh, there's to. There's no way around they it. They refuse to acknowledge they weren't that. So, so here, this is. Well, I think this is an acknowledgement. But wait a second. But this, you know, pushing back. This is an acknowledgement. I guess, but. Is it, it not? Yeah, but it's like a straw this man acknowledgement. acknowledgement. It's like fake. He, he's, he's not looking. He's refusing to look at the actual issues that are in front of him. He's refusing to actually think any of this thing, any of this through because he can't. Because what the only actual solution would be to dissolve the machine that he's built. Yeah, it's too big. It has too much power and therefore needs to be dissolved. Yeah, I just don't think your, he can see that. Your argument. At the same time, it feels increasingly less mm. relevant culturally. And I know you'll tell me that there are a, a billion moms who would beg to differ. And I observe that. I get it. But it just doesn't seem to be as important as it was, even with its massive so, uh, reach. I, I know, know what, what you mean. And I think this I know is... everybody is on Facebook. I know everybody I think... has Facebook. I don't know if Facebook's don't not know cool. People, I get. Here's what I would like to know. I would like to know Facebook's not cool. And beyond that, I wonder are people's minds changed by it? All right. It? So I have a perfect. I, I so for one, I would say. Function. I, I, right. I go on there, I see my friends and colleagues spewing absolute idiocies um, in order to seem however they want to seem. I love you, all of you. You're, you're great. You're fantastic. Love the I don't person, mean you hate the post. Love the person, yeah, hate, hate the post. Posts. I, I, I just don't ever, you know, in a weird way, we assume people are all more right, So I've got the perfect example they of are. this. Plandemic. Have and, you heard about Plandemic? Yeah. Have you watched it? I've heard of it, the uh, conspiracy theory. Right, I so I watched it. it. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was excited to watch it. I love conspiracy videos. <laughs> I love shit like this. But so Plandemic is actually probably, <laughs> if I were to say anything should go to this board, I, I, my guess, if I were to bet this will go to this board because it was pulled down ultimately by YouTube and by these social media companies, which is, you know, a lot of people crying out, this is, a, you know, it's being censored. My free speech is being censored. Don't pull down this video just because you disagree with it. These companies are trying to do their best not to spread misinformation about the virus. So that's what they're, they're claiming is the reason to pull this down. All of these things are problems that wouldn't have happened in an earlier iteration of the internet where videos could just proliferate, which is true, but also they wouldn't be able to proliferate as fast and among this type of demographic potentially as fast, but also would have been in an ecosystem where people could have made high production rebuttals or whatever, make other content that was good and can push back on pandemic. That's what I think, right? Mm. This, my idea that basically the, the darkness is yeah. overtaking the 
the light right now on the internet. That 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 light is the absence of uh, the darkness is the absence of light. There is no more light on the internet simply because there is no money going to things that could be good to journalism to good institutions to make good things. And so in its place, darkness, things like this, hate with things that can get high production values simply because of people's passions and because of dark money. Those are the things that are proliferating. So pandemic, which I think the people involved, I do not know their economic motives. Great, great name for a band, by the way. Or like a jam band from like the the late nineties or something, like spring the string cheese incident opening like opening Mm. for Plandemic. Chris Cornell (laughs) had a cup of coffee with Plandemic. So we're moving on to other things. uh, All right. So Plandemic, it's this short documentary that it's an excerpt of I think one that'll come out later, whatever. It interviews this disgraced scientist who says that she was silenced by Fauci, thrown in jail by Fauci because of a study that she published in in the late nineties about chronic fatigue syndrome that was later like it was a groundbreaking study but then nobody could reproduce the results she then like and some something happened where she stole material from a lab she then became a fugitive from the law and then was thrown in jail whatever she is makes all sorts of claims in this documentary i don't want to like spend time rebutting them if you want to watch it watch it there's a bunch of good you know document like other I, I not having seen it, I will presume. Well, there are just crazy things. I mean, the basic the basic video. thrust of it is that uh, wearing a mask is the worst thing you can do. But, but here's the, but, it, but, it basically but, also says all at, all at the same time says that coronavirus is overblown, but also it's it is it's more dangerous to wear a mask. It also says that Fauci is planning on making bank off of the vaccines. That that's his whole game plan is to make money off of patenting the vaccine. There is no evidence that Fauci Fauci. is even working on a vaccine. He has, that's not his job right now. There would be no patent for the (laughs) vaccine that would have his name. Anyway, you can look up all these things, but this is undeniably spreading extremely virally. And it started by spreading on entities like Facebook and YouTube, whether or not it was the right thing for them to take it down. It's now spreading virally through the internet. I, 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 I guess, I I guess the question is, is this just plain to what the people who want to hear such a thing want to hear um, that a lot of people have these conspiracy minded ideas and think that this from the top down, we're all being told to do different things that something's not right or there's a greater plan in place. And so, yes, this is misinformation in the specific, but would these people who are swayed by it otherwise go, yes, everything the government is saying is true. I I'm not so convinced. And furthermore, I mean, this gets into another issue of how the fuck do you curate such things? Okay, so I I agree. This is a crazy conspiracy misinformation video. But one of our problems right now is that the powers that be were completely fucking wrong at the beginning of all of this with a few of their pronouncements. So this idea that the new standard is we have to listen to uh, the WHO and our government as far as what to do. Well... You know, not not long ago, you were telling us don't get a mask. Masks don't mm-hmm. help. That's what you guys were saying. The WHO was saying there's no human to human transmission. What the, the the issue is when you have something like this that's fast moving and we don't know what's going on, you probably need some bottom up critiques and some people going counter narrative. Um, and that's how we're going to learn. We're going to learn. We thought ventilators were the end-all, be-all. We just didn't have enough ventilators. Ventilator, ventilator, ventilator. And a doctor made this pronouncement. I think he resigned because the ventilators weren't working. They were getting people killed because of the overuse of the ventilator. Um, you know, like, would that have been 
derided as a conspiracy theory? I don't know. Um, when we say that the media companies, the major conglomerates, aren't going to criticize China because of their uh, ties financially to China, is that a conspiracy theory? I don't know. I just don't know if there are many people who are fit I, to I, be the I, arbiter. I think it's so. What uh, I, the, a feeling that I have fiction. recently is I simply don't actually know where to go to for like answers to the questions that I want to definitive answers. But I think, which I think is a, speaks to the overall disinformation that's going around. There is no, for example, there, there, like even the New York Times, right, which I go to a lot, which I think is a pretty good source on these things. But there's also this element that like when Trump says something, the New York Times always feels the need to push back on it. Right. And so you kind of actually end up in this. There is no yeah. kind of unbiased arbiter of New York Times pushing back against Trump. Like what is like the meta conversation? Well, they're addicted. I mean, that's the other crazy meta conversation, meta dynamic where the loudest opponents to Trump secretly must love him because he's making them rich. He's making them rich. I mean, do you <laughs> does the New York Times really want to end Trump? Uh, does he it's almost like the Joker with Batman, you know, end you like, like kill you. Why would I want to kill you? I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people making content for The New York Times hate Trump, but he is really helping them, and thus, I think they play into a lot of his I think, uh, gambits, so, and they play right into his hands because they're addicted. They're addicted to the Trump content, and as much as you're going to say Facebook, Facebook, maybe Facebook's won the 2016 election. I think the more basic forms of media and how addicted they are with coming up with Trump content, especially the loudest voices of opposition. Might be more responsible. I, I don't know. I, I, so are. to me, I think that we're just we've, we're in a very unhealthy and bad media environment in general, and it's one in which disinformation can spread very widely. Yes. And also, where good independent work, independent journalism, independent media, things that like hold themselves accountable that are not. And I, I look. Maybe you're right that the New York Times likes what's going on. I don't know. I, my guess is you have to. It might transcend like. I mean, love. this goes this goes back to the Upton Sinclair quote, right? Where. You know, no, but sometimes need transcends want. But this is where and you have to have trust in an institution. Like <laughs> there's this, a financial where, like, they incentive. They have values yeah. that journalists in general have values that are above these kinds of things, right? I mean, you're a journalist, Ethan. Don't you believe that you have ethics and values? I mean, I think I have ethics and values. I also don't. I never refer to myself as a journalist ever. It just seems. What do you say? You're a reporter. I, I, I never went to journalism school. I just that sounds more pretentious. I'm just a nonfiction writer. I happen to be. <laughs> well, now, yeah, now that I'm an author, Matt. I'm an author. <laughs> I'm an author. I never really self declared what the hell I am. Uh, see, this is much more elitist and pretentious. Only the and... most elitist and pretentious people say stuff like this. <laughs> uh, me, as a comedy writer, honestly, I... I'm getting paid to just hang out with my friends. And you know, if people like like hearing that and want to pay me to, to hang out with my friends, I'm there. Dude. <laughs> yeah it's neat well, I think it's cool you know yeah i i don't I, okay so i've got some weird discomfort with journalist that i don't have with writer mm. and i don't have a good explanation of why it just sounds almost fussy i'm a journalist if i'm not there nobody's gonna know about basketball do you think, okay do you think journalism is important Yes or what no? Is, I mean, what is it? <laughs> Do you think journalism is important? <laughs> I don't know. It's like a like, guy with a fucking, it? you know, with uh, a, I, a I, reporter hat with like a little silly hat on with a card in it. And he's got a notepad and he's, uh, yeah, <laughs> sir, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got a question for you. Hey, 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 hey. 
Hey, Answer hey, the hey, question, hey, Ethan. Hey, is journalism important or not? <laughs> what is it? Uh, Ethan Strauss says. Is what it is it to journalism? Or not? I think the fun the I think the good things we associate with it are important. Where that has to come from, I don't know. I don't know it has to if it has to come from specifically people who call themselves reporters. I like when there are institutions that invest in trying to learn more. I like when the New York Times has bureaus in other countries so we get something from those other countries that we wouldn't otherwise know. But there are many places in which the journalism is completely oversaturated and beholden to these um, poor incentive structures that we talk about all the time. So I, I, I also just have an aversion when journalists try to brand themselves as important, when they try to... Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's lame. Yeah, whatever. But we need, I think we need this shit. We need people out there doing this as their job because I don't have the time to do it because I'm doing my job. So uh, to to pivot slightly, Mm. so the overall take, I think that whatever, Facebook is doing nobody any favors by like putting this oversight board in. But fundamentally, I think we're in this like landscape of disinformation now. And I think a large part of that is simply because there is no money going to publishers, no money going to any entity that can make independent work that you would deem important. And a study came out this week. This is another thing that is, that I think is crazy or it's, it's, I'm so glad that the study was finally done that basically showed. So ad supported media, which is the main form of media on the internet, right? That they've done a study. Ads. So right now, other than Ethan working for the Athletic, which is subscriber supported, most media or the New York Times, but most media is ad supported. Blogs, got like whatever, the Salon, Slate, Gawker, The Daily Caller, like Breitbart, all these places are ad supported. Uh, there was a study just done that only half of the money spent by brands that's meant to go to digital ads on those publishers' websites, ha- only half of that money goes to the publishers. At this point, 50% of that money goes to mm. just tech companies and 15% of that money, or sorry, a third what? of that money, nobody even knows where it goes to. The, the, the pipes are so arcane. <laughs> the maze of where, if say Unilever, if Colgate wants to advertise toothpaste to you, how it used to go or whatever, you they were like, okay, we're going to run an ad for toothpaste on A12 of the newspaper or whatever, and that money is going to go to the New York Times to your, order, your local paper in order to support them. Now, if Colgate wants to run that ad, only 50% of the money for that ad, for the, what would be a national campaign, goes to that publisher, and the other 50% is almost it's entirely unaccounted just- for. I don't know, being trans that money's being transported from Mexico to <laughs> LA via China. Well, why I, not? I, yeah. Why not run a fucking money laundering fucking uh, scheme through program programmatic advertising? Why well, not? It's not? It's not exactly a cash business. I think would be the first uh, issue, but yeah, ad supported sucks. I, 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 you know, it was always a little depressing. Um, it seemed like the future. It seemed like this is how we would be manipulated, but we're not so easily, maybe at its root, at its root, it's just, we're not so easily drawn in by ads on the internet in the way that we are on television for whatever reason, for whatever reason that draws us more. We are conditioned to know that, okay, this is the break in the TV show. And this is when I watch the thing in between and I'm used to it and I grew up with it. And this is how it is. And we just never built up that expectation with the internet. That just never happened. And so yeah, it's just annoying. It's a dingier place where we hate our banner ads. We want to, we just don't, we, I mean, we all have ad blockers and shit like that. We I mean, really you, don't I, want the internet to be an ad full space. Can you even space. remember, can you remember a single ad you saw on the internet in the last 
few years? Yes, Ethan. I only get one ad and it's for a spinning <laughs> top. I get the same ad. And if any of our listeners also get this, let me know. I get the same ad all the time for an inception style spinning top from a Canadian <laughs> top making company. The ad copy is always something like never old, never new. And it's just uh, the spinning top. And it's the most disturbing thing. It's all I see, Ethan. All never I see old, are ad, these ads chase me all around the internet for a spinning top. I've yet to buy it. <laughs> it is starting to look appealing to me. I, this sounds like a joke, but it's completely 100% true. It's always for a gold or silver top. <laughs> that, that's the main ad that I see, and I've yet to buy it. Forever spin or something. You should get it for Hanukkah. Yeah, they, maybe they have a dreidel <laughs> they make. Yeah, if their ad targeting was a little bit better, they would know that they should be advertising <laughs> me a cool, sleek, future tech, cyberpunk dreidel. <laughs> never old, never new. For all the guilt. <laughs> um, look, I, I I don't remember. I'm sure I've seen them. I'm sure I've come across it, but it just doesn't have the resonance. I mean, recently, Allie and I, last night, and I can't remember how it was brought up, uh, we were watching a Gap ad from 1999. Mm. Very simple ad where they used the song Mellow Yellow by Donovan, singer-songwriter from the 1960s. The, I'm just mad about saffron. It's mm. that ad. And it's just these cool, sort of apathetic, slightly Gen X-y kids. I guess it's between Gen X and Millennial. And they're just <laughs> looking at the camera. And one sings one line. The other sings the other line. The other sings the other line. I have no idea why the fuck this hit. This was a smash. This was a smash hit of an ad. I remember it. You remember it. Allie remembers it. We all remember this ad that was just young people in Gap clothing singing a song from the 1960s facing the camera. You can't do that with a banner ad, I guess is my point. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I don't know how well, you can do it without. I don't know how you what, can do it on television. That's what I was going to say. Oh, this, when was this? Oh, no. This, this is from 1999, the ad that you're talking about. By the way, Rashida yeah, Jones is that, in it. Well, ads, There's a Rashida Jones cameo in that ad. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. The, yeah, and it's on like just like a white background. It looks like this should be boring. I mean, it is, I guess. But the yeah, there's something I, oddly hypnotic and like memorable 1984 about it. About it. <laughs> and they're all wearing the same beige clothing. But I guess that's what we yeah. wanted at the time. I don't know. Some of them look like <laughs> they did. could be Trent Reznor's ish. Like they were just too lame to be Trent. It was Reznor. it corduroy? Is the, that what they the, were selling? I think the corduroy. Cords, yeah, corduroy. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, big. I, Remember that? Well, so but even then, so it's only a small percentage of these ads make any resonance on people of any ad. But that's like the the game. That's the bet that advertisers are making that they'll the agency or someone will make something that will be big, and then the big ads you do remember. And it's just a game. They're rolling the dice every time your program goes on break. You're seeing a bunch of companies roll the dice that one of these things that they've produced will stick in your head. And you're right; it's a more captivating art form. Television is than I guess the internet, especially for ads unless those ads you don't know that they're ads unless these are institutions being that are being paid for is that native native advertising yeah native uh, advertising or, or or uh you know paid content sponsored content which is like the ultimate whoring yourself yeah, out spawn con which is what pretending. you see on instagram right where you don't know that this little girl is actually being paid by the thong company like matt i don't even like to sous vide by the yeah. way you <laughs> even hate sous vide but all of you, all you suckers, <laughs> Ethan fans out there who have bought sous vide so that you can make these like bland, like vaguely wet pieces of meat, these like organ-esque pieces of meat, mush that come that you bathed in hot water. What a joke. 
<laughs> the greatest trick that Ethan ever pulled was convincing people that he liked sous vide-ing. <laughs> Just raking in that Innova money. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, and the mellow you know, yellow. I do ad. I guess I do ad reads for podcasts. Maybe that's more honest. Um, I guess, and, and well, know. but it's all like, a lot of this is about degree, right? Not kind. Like a little bit of advertising yeah. here and there, where it's above board. I guess is okay. <sighs> and I feel great. I don't. I feel fine reading an ad for StubHub or whatever in the Rumble Sports, but there was one for a pill that was almost like an ED pill, mm. and I just didn't want to go there, and I couldn't articulate why. And it was just I, I don't know. Did you know. not do it the read? Did you turn down the read Horn, for it's horny just, goat I weed? <laughs> I think I just had somebody. I had somebody else do mm. it. Um, but you sank. You know, I, I. I'll take yeah, the money. I can't even remember. I won't say the words. It was a I'll while. It was. It was a while ago. It was back when I didn't have ED. Now I'm older and I have it. So <laughs> now, now, I okay, now honestly, project. I love this product. Now I connect. love this little pill. It lets me and my wife reconnect once again. Finally, <laughs> intimacy is so important to my relationship with my wife. That's why I take horny goat weed. Find it, in, <laughs> find it at the front of every near the cashier at every gas station. Well, all those penis pills also just make it so vague as to what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. That's another they're, game of them where is it making bigger. it bigger? Is it making it harder? No matter what they're making her happy. That's it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about making her happy. They kind of want the idea that it might be making it bigger. Might be making but it, it just it, a little bigger. It might be it, making your it load might just be a little making juicier. It <laughs> so, sorry, will this make my load juicier or Doc, I'm looking for something not, that's going to make my load a lot juicier. Do you think that? I, I would love if the ad was just a very clinical explanation of what the pill does from some 50% more semen. Frumpy, lab-coated guy with a chalkboard with the, yeah, that's, that's Dr. what I want. Fauci, the Dr. Fauci showing you clinically how hard his penis is from the... From the pill. <laughs> oh God! Oh man! Um, <laughs> like the Fouch. The Fouch. How's your You're, How's your dick, Fouch? I'm vouching <laughs> for Fouching. I'm vouching for a Fouching. <laughs> vouching for Fouch. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, where your limits are is sometimes hard to articulate. It's similar to the porn. Uh, what was it said? The new Supreme Court justice. I know it uh, when I see it. Porn. You know it when you I see it. I know it when you I just, come to it. <laughs> you just know, you know when the ad is has gotten into a territory that is discomforting. I was surprised when Gawker back in the day was having the native advertising, uh, yeah. tricking you, where they're tricking you into thinking it's, it's the only a way Gawker to make article, money. But really, it's it's about buying a a punk rock spatula or whatever the hell. Yeah. Well, well we're not going to get the information ecosystem that we want until we fucking fix the internet. And it's just in such a bad state right now. All right. All right. Let's move on. It's not happening. No one's in charge. No of one's it, in charge. Other than the advisor. All right, uh, do you want to talk universities or I have this a little bit of yeah, good news I think, from, about this Tim Bray thing. We can end with that. No, I don't want good news. I think we, <laughs> we end on universities. Let's be real here. Let's end on universities. All right. Well, here, I'll just um, say this. Tim Bray, this was a cool thing. This guy, this high-up engineer at Amazon resigned in solidarity because Amazon was firing whistleblowers. And I thought it was very cool. Uh, I did think it yeah. was a good thing. And I think people should check that out. I think that unionizing collective, you know, collective action, standing by people who are going through collective action, I think is one of the only ways that we're going to get out of this. And I do think that 
uh, engineers who are usually portrayed as sitting in the catbird seat in this tech economy. Mm. They're the ones that I think have a lot of power. Them doing them they have a tremendous amount them of them organizing, them, you know, displaying ethics, them pushing their companies to do the right thing is one of the, the best paths out of this. And, and I encourage them. Usually you people organize because of money. These guys don't need that. Right now it's about you know, what you do, what you spend your time building and doing. That is an interesting observation that you can organize for reasons beyond my hundred percent. That yeah. well, anyway, uh, shout out Tim Bray, come on the pod. <laughs> uh, you know, LA Times guy, Tim yeah, Bray. We have a lot of people on this podcast. We want a lot of guests on Kevin this podcast. Kevin Durant. I think we've, we've, we've put out, a, 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 like, I think the people we've requested on the pod, Tim Bray, L.A. Times guy, whose name I will try to recall later, Kevin Durant, uh, Tucker Carlson. Oh, Tuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuck, Tuck, Tuck and Zuck. Tuck and Zuck. Tuck and Zuck. Give me Maybe. the Tuck and Zuck. It's like a drag queen. <laughs> the drag queens do. They Tuck and Zuck. <laughs> tuck and Zuck. Oh, my God. Uh, so yeah, those are, that's the range. And uh, now we will end on universities, which actually maybe that's, I can't tell that's a positive development or a negative development that they're just trying to keep, they're trying to keep the whole bag, Matt. They're not trying to give people their money back. They're, yeah, they're not trying up, to keep yeah, people their up, money back. This is something stuck in Ethan's craw right now. Ethan, Ethan, I mean, what's stuck in your craw this week? <laughs> then, then if we were a radio show, we would do. All right, this week we've got Ethan's craw. What's stuck in it? <laughs> Ethan's craw. Ethan's craw. craw, craw, craw. <laughs> it's stuck. <laughs> it's like a dying bird. <laughs> Let's get it out of that crop. It's really in there. <laughs> so a ton of noise imaging. Um, uh, yes. So um, I'm fascinated by the, the dynamic with universities. Uh, most We were both reading an article in the New York Times about it, how parents want their money back. They've paid five figures for the latest semester. I'm, I'm, I miss the memo it, that college cost $80,000 now a year. I did miss that. That was shocking when I saw that recently. Not not 80 a year. It was it wasn't that 80 for the the whole, you know, the whole four? No, it's 80,000 I mean, a year. Oh my god. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah, it was four what? and it was no, 40 grand uh, when for tuition a year when 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 I was going to a private university. The Harvard yearly cost like, I can't like believe you're mad at this man. and you think that it's actually a quarter of what it is. It, it says 46000 for Harvard yearly costs. Oh, really? I, I feel, let's see. 46000 I mean, that's still, room and board and other fees bring the total price tag to a hefty 67580 I mean, Almost that's, seventy that's grand. Also, Almost seventy grand yeah. For a year. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um... The universities, in a way, are selling their competitors' product, I suppose, for a while, and then trying to get you back to their product, where they're saying, no, pay full freight like you were doing for before when you were on campus and having the sexual experiences uh, that, you know, really was the whole draw of this. Uh, you know, keep paying the same amount for that. Uh, and then in the future, in the future... We're going to go right back to how it was, but in the meantime, we're going to completely undercut everything we were selling you on as to how important this whole thing is by saying you can effectively do it from home and it's unnecessary. I find that completely fascinating. I find just the degree of gangsterism mm. from the universities that they would pay 
full cost and tell people too bad, so sad. You got to pay for the whole thing as your kids try to learn on Zoom. It's incredible. It appears that they're getting sued by parents for it, as they should. I don't understand the legal uh, aspects of this and what contracts the parents sign, so I don't know how these lawsuits will shake out. But it is rather amazing to me that you could conceivably charge somebody the same amount for a college that they're not attending that they were told they'd be attending that year. Yeah, that's, I that's, do think this is like a simmering issue. I have to believe something is going to happen about this because it is absurd. And I take the other thought. Ethan and I, when we argue about this stuff, Ethan thinks that college is like terrible and useless or something. And I think the college rules. Uh, <laughs> it's, a bit of a straw, it's a bit of a straw man. But, but frankly, more people, if, the, if that straw man, that, that false dichotomy that you set up, I believe more and more people will be walking to my side, even if it's not exactly right, how but whatever. I feel, I'm, just I'm how you presented it. College or whatever. We'll often nope. argue about this, but I think you're, I do think you're right here. This is crazy. Rare, rare is the person who says, I used to think that the American university system was a massively onerous scam that uh, turned uh, <laughs> a generation of kids into peasants, but now I feel different. Uh, yeah, nobody's walking to the other side. <laughs> I guess you're right. No, I don't know. But then yeah, I got. But then yeah. I lost now my virginity. On a, on a, in a sorority house. And let me tell you, it was, and you, can't, you can't put and a price on it. Put a price you on it. Can't put a price. You can't put a price on, on, on it. Sex with a with yeah. a hot young. Well, I think we're 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 both. Uh, I think we're both very much formed by <laughs> our university experiences. Where you went to. A small liberal arts Howard college, college and I, I think it, it, it was a, a more fulfilling experience. And even though I live within walking distance of my away. university, townie. pathetic town, I'm a townie, still trawling the I'm a pathetic townie. It's trawling. Well, I, that, that's you part do. of the bitterness. You do go by back the to the library. That's part. Well, it. that's part of the bitterness. Is that that they didn't let me in the library through um, the entrance I was used to because the students passed a rule that they wanted to just dominate the top floor and they didn't want any weird, creepy old people milling about. So you were still allowed in the library, but you had to only take a certain completely circuitous entrance. So you just had to just be inconvenienced. You just had to be inconvenienced. Yeah, he took the creeper door. And I... I, (laughs) And at that point, I said, "Okay, I know, I know what I'm not wanted." And when oh, I was man. called up for oh, making a donation, sad. even though I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not Rockefeller over here. I had a, a fine, <laughs> huffy sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah, I don't huffy. think so this year. I don't think so this year. Let me you know, like, you don't want yeah, me. How about you I let me? How about you let oh, me in the library sad. at absolutely no cost? Absolutely no cost. <laughs> but that's how it is. They treat you like a number because you are a number because there's a vast student population for UC Berkeley. And I never felt any particular connection to it. Um, I had more pride going in than what I came out with. And I, I, the name is cool. It's got a certain, it's got a certain imprimatur, but I didn't ultimately believe in the education I was given. It seemed arbitrary. I think the essay test and how it's done is pretty ridiculous and it's it's not too hard to barely study and and, and get a b um and then the test the, the, the uh um, that's like finals or essays you mean yeah 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 the idea that the best way to do this to test your knowledge of history is to write an essay um within within a just certain amount of time is yeah. i don't know so well, we i know think the, scantron's the, better no. i think scantron's i think we all got i think crazy. we all got derailed we all got derailed when colleges convinced themselves that they were too highfalutin um to possibly 
possibly be measured in Scantron terms. You know, we go outside the bubbles. We, we have critical thought. You know, only, you know, you have to be a rockhead to use these bubbles to measure how much you actually remembered of the concepts in the test. I am pro-Scantron. I believe that my fellow classmates studied way harder in humanities courses when we were being tested via Scantron than mm. the essay test. But wow. that's a digression. Bring back the Scantron, but it's about Matt. critical that's, that's, thought or something, right? That's what you're supposed I, to be learning? Critical schmidical. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't... I mean, that's the other thing. There's just so much waste and fraud in the entire university system. We all know the administrative bloat has gone mm. completely crazy, that the cost fraud. keeps going up. Fraud. We don't fraud. That we don't hire more professors, we just hire more administrators. And then for whatever reason, a lot of the professors teach things that aren't useful, aren't smart, um, and are just ridiculous. I mean, you can go on the UC Berkeley website and see how many critical theorists they have in their professor ranks. And I, I don't know what purpose that's serving. Mm. I don't. I mean, I, I guess, I, 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 I guess, but to me, the solution is more college. To me, the solution is like admit more people, make it, you know, more professors, more students, you know, make these, why aren't we making new colleges? Why aren't we making new universities? To me, I, I mean, think we, having we have more, a lot of univer we have a lot of universities. You don't I think mean, we need I more? Think, I don't think we need more. But like, I mean, not in the way that they're operating. I think we we might need to. Rates are low. I I think we might need a lack of pretentiousness to reform the system. So bring back the Scantron and maybe have more of these universities devote themselves to training people for jobs versus I don't know pretending that we're all. Uh, deeply invested in becoming the next vanguard of intellectuals. I don't think most people are there. Maybe we need, we should, we should admit that. I don't know. I think scantrons are bullshit. I hated studying for scantrons because I was a big project guy. I like doing projects. I like doing my senior thesis. I like doing big research projects and shit like that. And I, didn't to the, me, I think that like, it's the base didn't of the PSAT. Didn't Matt, didn't the PSAT <laughs> change your life? Didn't it yeah, change your life? Yeah, I guess. Whatever, How'd you take yeah. that test, Matt? How'd you take it? How did well? So we took the PSA. With a scantron, Matt. Well, scantron. All right, but that yeah, little but, bubble. Yeah, but it was that all, graphite pencil. But it was fake. That's the thing. I did better on the PSAT than like the other SATs I was taking because I was less nervous because it didn't matter. My, I, mm. I realized that the how nervous I am swung my score wildly, very like wildly mm. and widely. And to me, I think tests are a bad way of of gauging somebody's, uh, you know, well. I, I'm Absolutely. surprised that you, you. I'm surprised that you have so much opprobrium for Facebook, but so much affection remains for the university. Maybe it speaks to how the university actually does legitimately, obviously have some great aspects. To I think it. if Mark I mean, finished college, there, there are he labs. Done, he, we wouldn't be in this problem. I think if Mark finished college, he took some advanced courses in history and in like social, you know, dynamics and in learning fucking anything, he would have learned well, a lot of things that would he should into history. He would, yeah, he, yeah he I guess. But yeah, yeah, exactly. He's into the hit. Like, oh, no, he likes Augustus. Piece. Yeah, he loves Augustus. He likes, Ag he likes reading yeah. about like dominating forces, about figures yeah. who who do powerfully took over the world. That's the history. He read he like Augustus. Augustus was tired of being criticized, and got so he a made bunch a, of... a fake oversight board, and then just proceeded to close <laughs> his iron grip on all of Rome anyway. Uh, and, and yeah, surrounds. yeah. He, Hired some distant, they had some distant relative of Plato, and you know a guy from Peter Tilius. <laughs> a guy, my friend guy Peter from... Tilius, will take care of this. <laughs> a guy from every far-flung province yeah, of the yeah. Roman Empire uh, to do nothing as a distraction. It was a brilliant gambit. And that's what he's trying to implement. Uh, 
I, no, there are obviously great aspects of what the university does. There are labs on the UC Berkeley campus that are researching important things, but the entire, I think anybody would admit that it's become a bubble and that it is decadent on the whole, and it seems ripe to be the next thing that, that bursts. I mean, that's, that's not saying too much, and it's also wrong. It's unethical. It's awful what we're doing, that we say to get this accreditation, we need this generation of teenagers to just mortgage their futures, to just, you know, the idea that you can enter into this compact and you know enough to know that you'll be able to make back the money. Like, we don't, we don't know that. It's completely, completely wrong, completely twisted. And a lot of what's being taught in the humanities is complete bullshit. And so I don't, I, I have my fear about if this edifice crumbles, what replaces it? Because you never know about the devil you don't know. Prager you. Um, You're going to get Prager you. <laughs> Prager you. Prager you. Is that what you want, Ethan? You want Prager you? Who's, who's who, who will be on Prager you's advisory board? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, look, I think this is degree, not kind. I think I think that you're right. It's expensive. I think that, you know, it's like humanities I can't speak to. I don't know. I'm sure there's still plenty of people teaching cool and good shit. And, yeah, I'm sure there's some bad professors. Good prof- You get the bad and the good. But I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think, you know, you just make it more affordable for people. And I think that you're right. Right now is actually probably a good time for a referendum on these institutions. Yeah, I I would hope. I mean, there's going to be a lot of pain. A lot of people are going to lose money. A lot of good people are going to get fired within the university system off of this. But you would hope that the contraction forces the system to get healthier when everything does come back online because this just doesn't seem sustainable. Mm. This seems like something that a, a, at the very least a populist politician could absolutely crush. I mean, it would not be hard. Mm. It would not be hard. I think there's a lot of resentment directed at the university system at this point and how onerous it is and how uh, just it's built on a, it's built on a fraud. It's basically a, a summer camp, a, a giant summer camp masquerading. It's a weird combination of a summer camp and uh, an accreditation that is somewhat arbitrary, but you need for whatever reason. Yeah, but I, I don't and understand why. Not, and there's just not too much learning overall. But as an institution, why is that any worse and more arbitrary than like working for a corporation? Like, isn't it better? Well, is they actually pay you as opposed to you paying them? Yeah, but payment is bullshit, right? I don't know. Capitalism, the whole thing is like, oh, you well, need these tickets they, to live. This is what, I mean, come on. This is what they teach. This is what they fun. teach at the university. This is what they teach at the university. Like, money is a made-up concept. The whole money is, is a social construct. It's all just fake. <laughs> like, it's all about like, why do you want to get rid of one of the few things that's actually kind of cool and fun and good in order to because like you're instead holding up jobs and shit as like some greater good? That's absurd. We're, like working is much I more bullshit than learning. No, people derive a lot of meaning from work. Yeah, and they derive a lot of meaning productive. from universities. And in universities, you get to do drugs and be in a band and get laid and have fun. And you know, well, yeah, not all universities people, are good, but, but, but they wait, should so all be made better rather than. But couldn't we? Couldn't we train people how to do functional things while they get laid and do drugs? And I do think a lot that? of I people mean, are. A lot of people at universities are, and you know, yeah, sure, maybe studying the classics or something dooms you to like debt and no job. But I would even be fine. If there was a rigorous study of the classics, I just see a lot of silliness and I see it locally. Um, you know, the, the, a lot of the most celebrated professors and academics are complete frauds. They, they're, they're not doing any, they're not, they're not contributing a line of thought that is helping us be a more productive and healthy society. 
They aren't. They are coming up with tautologies, um, trying to blow our minds by calling things social constructs. Like, you know, I, yeah, it's like money is a social construct. Like, okay, yes. And what, where does that get us? It's that's not really doing a lot for us. That's not really. What are you talking really about? It helps us prioritize, you know, the things in our world and the things around us. Otherwise, you end up thinking that money is much more important than it is. And then you go down, you know, even more fraudulent paths. Well, then the universities can do without it for a while. <laughs> And we will end on that. All right. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's good. Okay, wait. Uh, fuck. Well, I wish I had a way of uh, showing you something. You've got your computer in front of you, Nathan? I've got 5% battery is the only issue. All right. I've got one thing. But that's, some social con- that, that, that's not a social construct. That is a mechanical construct or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. All right. Well, I want to take us out with this song that I'm going to play. We'll, we'll play it at the same time so we can kind of comment on it. This is an incredible video that I found. So <laughs> Vietnam apparently... I don't know if you've heard about like, but Vietnam just like fucking rocked their coronavirus response. They had zero deaths. They had like 300 Whoa. cases or something, which really chaps my ass. Cause I was, I canceled my trip. Me and my wife canceled our trip to Vietnam because of coronavirus. Uh, it was, we were supposed to go back in, in February or, or March or something. I mean, obviously like we, sh- we shouldn't have been traveling or whatever, but uh, I want, but this is one of the ways that they combated it with this video. And I, why, I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it. I think this is the song of the summer. It's, as the kids say, a, t- a real bop. A bop? It's a complete bop. And I want to watch this along with you, because uh, I, I loved it. Is this their fight song about how they beat Corona? Is this crazy? This is a bop. <laughs> There's all these like animated characters singing about how they're going to take on the virus. They scro- the virus is this little green, you know, blob with a, a crown on. There's a whole God. part about washing your hands. This is some positive nationalism. Is this great? That's Corona, Corona. <laughs> no, this is this is. This is the song of the. This is the song of the summer. Do you have the closed captions on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't wait to play this rally. This is, my favorite part is when he, he flicks he flicks away the virus. We've got a, a gloved hand flicks the virus. Even if it's small, it's very cruel. <laughs> Many have died because of that. This is amazing. Where's our I love the dance move. Which is like, why does she take her mask off to sing, though? That's true. Okay, Matt. That was great. <laughs> I'm going to go back inside before right, the battery sounds dies. Sounds good, man. Great, great talking to you. We'll catch you next week on Syncing Up. See ya.